Welcome to the BMX in Our Blood podcast. This program may contain language or material that may be considered offensive. The views expressed are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views of the host of the BMX in Our Blood podcast. Therefore, we advise you to consider carefully whether you or your children should continue listening. back to the BMX and our blood that was Sonic Youth with the song Dirty Boots and that is a favorite of John Lee so I wanted to play it before we started this listen which is John Lee part two question and answer session it was pretty cool how we did this just uh, going from spot to spot in Richmond this past weekend which was an awesome weekend that Steve Crandall from FBM put on for the 40 and over crew the 40 and over BMX men's retreat so we uh, we did a lot it was a lot of fun and thank you Steve and thank you John for finishing up part two just wanted to let you all know that I will definitely see you at Swamp Fest I'm looking forward to that should get there on Thursday night late, and uh, it's going to be awesome. going to interview Fids, and we're going to do a short one with Jimmy Levan. The latest is Jerry Batters from Vans. But uh, yeah, I hope, uh, I hope you can all make it. Congrats already, Trey Jones, because you have done an amazing job from what I've seen so far online that we are going to experience in person when we get down there. So um, awesome job, Trey, and everyone that's helping. Looking forward to it. I'm also looking forward to the Jimmy Levan documentary, the premiere that will be showing off-site. And um, that'll be awesome. You'll see me there as well. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you all soon. All right, welcome back to the BMX in our blood, part two of the John Lee interview. We had so much fun with part one. Uh, we decided to save all the Instagram questions for this week's podcast. So, I'm here with John now. We could tell everyone now because it's not as, it won't be a secret by the time we get I release this, right? No, no, it'll, <laughs> it'll, it'll, it'll happen. Yeah, that's right. So we are currently in Richmond at the Steve Crandall 40 and over BMX retreat, and uh, we're all having a having a good time already. I think, except for maybe you, John, because you got you got here at three thirty. Yeah, I got it pretty early or late, and. Um 
was woken up with a cup of coffee and a, and a bagel from Steve. So good way to start the day. A lot, a lot of good response uh, with your our our first the part one of yours. Uh, a lot of good response. So thanks for doing that. That's awesome. Just want to thank Powers Bike Shop again, and I'm sure we'll be stopping by Powers later today. But thank you, Chad, for continuing to support the podcast. And uh, here we go, John. Let's uh, hit it from the top. We're going to do things a little differently. I'm driving. John's got the uh, list of questions that we didn't get to, and there's a lot of good ones. So, uh, John, you can read them and answer them while I'm driving. Here you go. Read them and weep. That's right. Well, hopefully this uh, comes out all right. I am um, still waking up, so there might be a yawn or two. It's not because the questions are boring. Um, it's because I am tired. <laughs> so as we cruise through lovely Richmond, Virginia, I think we're going to end up going through the bottom. Um, let me start with the questions, though. Look, there's so many of these. Thank you, everybody. There's a, there's a lot. Yeah, you, you can start wherever you want, or you can mix them up. Just... Um, I'll just start from the top. Um, all right. How did the job... Uh, how did the job come to be with you, and how long have you been with FBM? So this whole section's on FBM. Okay. Um, I've been with FBM for probably, I think I'm going on 13 years now. Um, it all started because my job at the time, um, I was doing music marketing and um, promotion in, in living in New York, and I was kind of getting burnt out on that. So I was looking for a change, and uh, I went out to uh, S&M because they were looking for a sales rep. Um, and I flew out there and did an interview, and you know had a had a real good time, and learned a lot from 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 Chris Moeller that day. And um, I asked Steve about it uh, just as a friend, like, "Hey, what do you think of me going out there?" And um, it just happened that FBM needed someone also. Um, so instead of um, you know moving across country, I moved back to Binghamton uh, because I had a lot of friends there, uh, and you know I'd been with FBM since um, the early '90s, you know, as friends. So it just was uh, you know a good mesh that we were able to make you know work, and uh, you know I never had any like I guess length of uh, time that I wanted to be there, um, but it's been great so far and uh we've had our ups and downs but it's a it's a good group of dudes and you know we we do our best to kind of i guess contribute to bmx and live life on our own terms as best as we can with the help of everyone out in the bmx community yeah and the man that that we're trying to follow but he's, he's a tough one to follow grandel so those couple questions were for me. The the next one, uh, high sodium four hundred one, Seth Medeiros. Uh, you can hit that. What is the just mention who it's from when as you go? Okay, high sodium four hundred one, Seth Medeiros. Thanks for the question, Seth. Um, what is the most rewarding part of working for an independent BMX brand? And what's the biggest challenge? Um, the most rewarding part is rolling up at any skate park or trails or whatever session you're having and seeing people on your bikes and having a good time. Um, It's rad to be able to see like every frame and every part in the wild because, 
you know, we've all pretty much laid hands on them in some form. And, uh, you know, you put, you put them out there and you never know where they go. <laughs> and when you see someone like, you know, rip it on one or just, you know, just stoked to be, to be on it. It's, it's rad that like they chose to support FBM and, um, you know, it's really cool to, to see that. Uh, the biggest challenge though, um, FBM's had so many different things happen to it. Um, it's hard to pick one. Um, I guess just, just trying to make it work. Um, just trying to stay in business is probably the, uh, the hardest part. You know, we're a, we're a very small company. And so, you know, oftentimes when, you know, if vendors are late paying us or, you know, someone stiffs us or like if there's shortages of materials or, you know, there's just all these little hurdles that like for us, one of them can be like run us pretty thin at times. So, yeah, we just try to do our best to kind of like keep it going and, you know, face each one of these hurdles as something new. Um, you know, just as we like sometimes are on steady footing, we have something weird happen, like, you know, our, our building getting condemned or, yeah, or, or a flood or something, (laughs) you know, that will like slow up production or like put us at a halt or something like that. So there's always, you know, something that really, I guess, makes it challenging. Yeah, definitely. I mean. I, I don't remember if you were uh, if you mentioned the the fire. I'm sure the fire was a challenge too. Um, the fire when FBM went through the fire that was before I was working with FBM. Oh, okay. um, that's when I was uh, I'm still in, in school and uh, FBM was in the area. But yeah, when, when that happened, I remember uh, just the remnants of FBM being in the that basement, and you could just you know smell. Smell the smoke. Yeah, it was in the basement of East Coast Terminal before, like, they were getting set up with the new uh, in-house manufacturing and uh, and just kind of get, get it back on its feet. Yeah. To the next one. Uh, is it Don Cicerone? Looks right. Um, what is your favorite product you have ever sold? I like that one. <laughs> favorite F- FBM product I've ever sold? Well, you make all kinds of bikes, so uh, it could be anything from a, um, what do you call the, it's not a, quite a total fixie, but it's a it's a city bike, right? Uh, it's, a, it's a fixed gear. Is um, it? Okay. Yeah, we do the sword, that's a fixed gear, the hunter-gatherer, which is like a tor- kind of a touring frame, um, and then all our BMX frame, but our favorite product ever sold. Mine was a one-off, you can't count the side hack. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a tough one, huh? Yeah. Um, I think my... I, I could say my favorite custom frame, mm-hmm. and maybe this is the my favorite one that we we ever done, was uh, we did a cruiser uh, for Crescent, um, and it was a real, real strange geometry. And... It was like super low slung and kind of like super high bottom bracket and it 
was more like a trials bike, but I knew what he was, he was kind of going for, and then he wanted like a Batima-style fork, and uh, that all came together, and we made him this, this, this rad, weird bike. But the best part of that, it was, um, at the time, none of us, um, you know, he, none of us knew Crescent, and he placed the order for that bike, and then Steve saw it down here in Richmond, um, and then I ended up seeing it, you know, on a visit, and, uh, we became real good friends, um, you know, Crescent's kind of part of the FBM crew, and, you know, that interaction, you know, made, I guess, a, a really big impact in, in, because he's pretty influential on us, um, he helps out with all the events that are down here, he helps make that gnarly cinder block, he's just absolute ape at building things, and, um, just has such a sweet heart, and, uh, it's really nice to, to actually meet someone in person, and through having a, uh, I guess a, a bike sale and you know becoming like actual friends yeah yeah we'll see him this weekend I'm sure <laughs> uh, definitely a good guy I hope he, so and he's in his 50s right and he still rips it up yeah yeah he is um, and that's one of the rad things it's like not everyone needs the same bike or wants the same bike and uh, yeah when you when someone has a specific goal or like idea it's cool to make that that work right because he grew up riding um, more mountain bikes and, and trials bikes, so him transitioning to BMX, you know, going to a uh, traditional BMX cruiser didn't feel comfortable for him at the time. Right. What do you have from uh, Brett Downs? Brett? I don't really understand the question. It might be more of an inside okay. thing. Okay, Brett Downs. I'll ask you again. New frame someday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Brett, uh, who I would love to build you a frame anytime. Um, we built him an, an awesome uh, flatland bike with a uh, standing platform. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, it was, uh, again, one of those awesome, very specific. He had, he, you know, Brett's been riding forever right. and he knows what he likes, knows what knows what he doesn't, knows what he works, what works well for him. And uh, it was rad to be able to, to make something that he is really stoked on. Definitely. Um, yeah. Trails Warriors. Ah, man, I. Don't worry about the Trails Warriors. Yes, thank you for asking a question. Um, he says, thank you for your help to build my custom frame, best frame ever. Well, that's awesome because you are the like type of dude that I love to build bikes for. You know, like, I think we met in the early 90s when he came to Long Island, but I've always just been a fan of his, of his riding. And, um, you know, when he hit me up to, uh, build the frame, I was stoked, <laughs> you know, that's a, I feel honored. Thank, thank you for letting us build you a frame. Trail rider of the year on an FBM, right? Wow. Two, two years in a row. Two in a row. <laughs> two in a row. Cody Diggs with an FBM winning in, uh, the trails were, trails were here, I believe. Uh, in my opinion, was was as amazing as the nomination uh, could be because he did so much digging, like such a passionate trails guy, and visits every year, right? Right. And he Japan, he lives it, you know. He you know 
he walks the walk and talks the talk and like yep. you know, he he puts his time in and you know it shows right uh, what was it yeah your question or his question was answered right where are we at um at Steve Crandall who's he who's that imposter <laughs> is that an imposter <laughs> it doesn't say the re- the real Steve Crandall so <laughs> it's true um so Steve Crandall asks uh, can you tell us about some early trips to Ithaca with the Long Island crew I think I might have covered that in the last you did podcast yeah you did we could we could uh encourage people to listen to part one if you want to hear the answer to that one because it's that's a good one all right uh, we um, got next rad golf dad 46 um best mike herb story the most unknown man in bmx <laughs> oh wow um a mike herb story mike is such a unique part of fbm he really holds it together um, but he's also a very private person, so I feel like I have to have a delicate balance of like what I what I would want to say because because yeah. <laughs> obviously I don't want to put my you know make Mike feel uncomfortable. Sure, um, hey, it's your decision what what you, what you want out there but, and you know taking into consideration his his uh, his feelings what they might be about it. But uh, you can answer that or not answer it doesn't no big deal. Hmm. It is maybe the answer. He's, a, he's just a, a, a real private guy. So, uh, but yeah, definitely a huge part of the company, right? Yeah, Mike. Mike holds it together for all of us. He make sure, make sure that the that we function as a business, mm-hmm. um, and that we we all don't get too distracted yeah, in right. side projects and and other and other things. All right, so we're back. Uh, we're at the pump track in Richmond, and um, uh, they ran out of shovels, so we're going to keep the interview uh, going. Actually, I don't know if they really ran out of shovels, but it was we're a gonna, good. We're going to change this from to... Uh, John Lee, the nicest guy in BMX, to John Lee, the driest guy in BMX. <laughs> yeah. It, well, I'm glad I have a partner in this because uh, that makes two of us now. That well, you can't have too many cooks dry. in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, they need someone needs to be running the show and it seems like the dudes have it handled so oh, hell yeah we'll absolutely dip out and do some of this and then yeah you know put our put our work in after yeah i'll i'll water the jumps for them and, after they just got it dry that's what we'll do i'll water them and we'll tarp them yeah them back up. <laughs> yeah all right so we got one more question on the uh fbm part and i'm gonna hand this over to you and now i i can actually read them because okay. we're not driving that sounds good. So this one's from Keith Tara. What's your drive to stay in the BMX industry? Wow. Um, my drive to stay in the BMX industry, man, it's one of those weird things. Like, I guess my the, the drive is working with your friends and being part of a community in order to, like, you know, live and live in a manner that you're comfortable with. Um, I don't know. I've, I've struggled with like, you know, where I, where I'm at in BMX, um, like with FBM, like whether, you know, I should stay or, you know, should I, should I, you know, continue this path or, you know, should I like, you know, just dip out and, you know, get something that's going to have more security and, and whatnot, and um, 
You know, like, I've, anytime I've gotten bummed out or, like, maybe discouraged or concerned about where, where I kind of was or, like, when you think of, like, your, your job in BMX, there's always, like, a jam or something that makes me go, oh, yeah, this is totally why I do it. Um, I wish that BMX, the pie was bigger. Um, so that most of the people involved in it could, um, you know, make a living and that, um, make a comfortable living. Uh, I know like being in BMX, there's often a lot of kind of sacrifices that you make. Um, I don't know, I guess I really wouldn't consider them sacrifices, but choices that you make that like, or the way you live is different than like, I don't want to, I guess like a normal path, you know, like, you know, we don't have health insurance, you know, we don't have a 401k, you know, like a lot of the times, you know, money gets tight and we, you know, so I guess like what keeps me in it is, you know, my drive is the people. Right. And that's what like really does it. If like, you know, if the people in BMX weren't so rad, and the people I work with weren't, you know, uh, that I didn't enjoy working with them, then, yeah, I probably would, would have, you know, right. walked walked away. Um, well, it's got to be important to be working with like-minded people, whether they work at FBM or their shops that you sold to or just uh, friends you met on the way. Yeah, yeah, I mean... With FBM, it's great because we're like a... We're, I feel like a pretty eclectic uh, collection of people. Um, we have similar ideas, but we have very different ways of going about doing it uh, sometimes. Um, but like we, we're, we're good at working together to, to make it happen. Um, in BMX, though, it's like, you know, not everyone who is involved in BMX is awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's some, there's some people out there that, you know, aren't the greatest to work with or, like, some of the companies aren't, I don't know, aren't the, you know, I, I guess some, there's some companies out there that I think are kind of lame, mm-hmm. um, but they have their vision of BMX, might be different than mine, Right. so it's rad that we can both exist, but, like, I don't know, in, in general, I just kind of, like, the people overall is what you know keeps me it, it, like involved in BMX and mm-hmm. and as long as uh, yeah as long as the people stay awesome then I'll I'll stay in it. Yeah, nice. Uh, all right, we're gonna switch to Oak Park Trails. Uh, how about a, a as brief as you can history of the, the trails uh, you know, when you found the spot. How long? How long were you alone there at that spot, or maybe you weren't alone before the other guys caught up, caught on to it? But there's questions about that. But just a brief history of the trails. Um, okay, so Oak Park was, I guess, before I go into how the trails, like the history of Oak Park trails, it's like Long Island in general. The way it was kind of made up is that there's all these small neighborhoods. Um, and developments and kind of in between those spaces there's always like a patch of woods 
or someplace that like kids would build jumps, you know, mm-hmm. whether it be something that you'd be passing through to like cut to your friend's house. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there would always be, you know, someplace that you can build. And uh, with Oak Park is that it came around because we had gone or I'd gone to these jumps called Sterrett's uh, with my friend Chris Watson and um, he brought me there and I was probably like in 6th grade and had it's not the first time I ever saw BMX jumps but it was definitely another like level of BMX that I saw there and um, it was one of those things that like the jumps were too big for me like there wasn't really anything I could ride and uh, like I, I remember like also going to I think the second Clinton around the same time um, which I think was the Genovese Clinton and like just being a kid like you know riding over the jumps and I tried to jump some some jump and completely like like feebled the side of it and you know, I cased it and one of the older guys was just like hey man why don't you build stuff you can ride and I was like oh <laughs> yeah so leave my stuff alone. Yeah, like, and he wasn't he wasn't mean about it, no. but like, it was one of those things that clicked. It was just like, well, yeah, like, right. if I can't ride this stuff, like, I yeah. let me build stuff that I can. So, um, it, the original uh, Oak Park was originally started by Chris Watson and myself. Uh, we found the patch of woods because it was off of Chris's neighborhood. Um, Oak Park is actually a development, another neighborhood that was being built. And there was two sides of it, and they had gone bankrupt, um, and so they didn't finish half of it. But they had laid the road out, and off the road there was a bunch of cul-de-sacs. And so we picked the one at the very end, because it was closest to Chris's house, and uh, the easiest to kind of get to um, for both of us. Yeah. And so we had this little patch of woods that was like, okay, we should be good here. Yeah. And so we built a tabletop. Nice. So, uh, here we go. We're going to go uh, Sam Habernack first. He's uh, favorite Oak Park memory. Uh, my favorite memory, wow. I mean, so many good things have happened there, but I guess one of the ones that stands out was uh, building the doubles that, the the big doubles that Oak was kind of known for. Mm-hmm. Uh, those were built by um, Brian Waller mm-hmm. and myself. And uh, it was actually Brian's idea. He, uh, like Chris had kind of stopped riding. He got his license and, and Brian and I were, were the two guys who were really kind of putting in the time. And um, Brian was like, that that first tabletop we made, we was like we should make it a double, and uh, so we actually cut school mm-hmm. with permission from our parents, because <laughs> um, it was like it was raining, and I remember like we we're like next time it rains we're like let's like dig that let let's just dig out the center of the table and make a double, yeah. and uh, it was a pretty big table <laughs> bigger than we thought, yeah. and uh, yeah we like cut school we asked our parents we're like hey it was a Friday like can we you know can I not go to school today meet Brian down to jumps and that was his plan too and yeah. we, we met down there we we both had garbage bags and we just kind of like poked our our arms and heads through <laughs> so to work as ponchos and we we just he we just split the table down the middle you know he dug one side I dug the other and just tossed 
toss the dirt, and then we like look back and we're like, "Whoa, that's a pretty big, yeah. pretty big jump." So, making that was pretty was pretty awesome. <laughs> that's cool. Did either of you grab the wrong size garbage bag by chance and like you know have to put on like a uh, a garbage bag that was good for a bathroom trash? <laughs> that would have been funny. <laughs> but yeah, always make sure you get the fifty-five gallon drum size ones. Uh, so. Uh, real quick on this on this one, Sam also wants to know, which we we all want to know, uh, who's going to win uh, the Supercross title this year, and can Webb keep the ball rolling? So uh, I don't know. I think we're looking at Webb, but you tell me what you think. I have no idea. Yeah, I have not watched any Supercross. Oh, I thought you were part of our fantasy. I forgot. No, Hancock's been trying to get me into yeah. it, but mm-hmm. um, I just haven't. Yeah, yeah. I did, didn't join the group and haven't watched any of the races. And uh, yeah, yeah. Just I don't know. This year, I just it didn't yeah. didn't grab me. You right, know? right. Sorry. Uh, so, yeah. uh, who who are the two um, guys? I'll pick one. What's that? Who are the two guys in contention? Uh, well, Webb's kind of run away from it, but there's they're away with it. But there's a couple guys that are close enough. If if Webb say blows an engine or something in a mud race and, and you know, he's going to lose 20 well, points or something. I know I, I'd want Tomac to win if Tomac can win. Me too. So. Me too. Um, I'm not, nothing wrong with Marvin and those guys, but I I just think Tomac's amazing. His comebacks are just unbelievable because his starts suck. But <laughs> but, but he, his comebacks are, are amazing. He's got amazing speed, but... Uh, Eric Fink, who I'm sure you remember, he wants to know, yes. as being the mastermind behind Oak Park, what would you do differently if you could go back in time? If I could go back with Oak Park, I would... I mean, I guess if I knew all the build, different building techniques I know to now, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'd build things a little bit better. Uh, but I'd go back and I'd change the spacing on the first straightaway that kind of led to the, to the big doubles. It was always spaced a little out that you kind of needed to take that one crank. Mm-hmm. Um, we got it so you were able to kind of coast it, but you had to really be on it. You had to kind of speed jump stuff. Yeah. But as trails evolved and you know things got taller and whatnot, the spacing on it was a little bit off mm-hmm. that uh, I would... I'd, I'd go back and kind of make it so I could throw two sets in there, uh-huh. and it would have been a better rhythm. Gotcha. Uh, let's see. Nuno, the guy that helps with the uh, podcast announcements, and such an awesome guy. He sends, uh, or last year sent out some uh, some uh, help from Odyssey for for different uh, sets of trails around the around the East Coast or in. I don't know. Nuno's just yeah. a great dude. Nuno's awesome. He's actually also, I called, I remember calling him mm-hmm. um, on my lunch break in New York when he was, because he was out at Odyssey, and I was yeah. just, just to ask him how he liked living in California mm. and what he was what he was doing for trail situations before, like, I, when I was considering moving out there. Oh, okay. So, it's always, you always get reach to your friends. At least yeah. I reached to my friends for their advice and, and life experience and stuff to see how they're dealing with things. Yeah. Absolutely. So his question is, uh, and by the way, yeah, he works for Odyssey Sunday and what's the other Fairdale. one? Fairdale. Group Fairdale, right? Yep. Um, so 
Gnuno asks, a lot of great riders have passed through Oak Park. Who stands out as your as a favorite of yours that you enjoyed enjoy, I'm sorry, enjoyed watching shred the place? And also thanks for all your hard work and contributions to VMAX. Who's your favorite rider? My favorite rider to ride Oak Park. Um Don't take offense, anyone else. <laughs> a lot of people pass through, right? Because you still passing people, through or maybe a local. It's it's hard. Uh, yeah, like so many people have come through there, but there's a lot of sessions that people came through that I didn't get to see, but I got to see footage of. Mm-hmm. Um I think it's a toss-up between Tim Strelecki and Punjab. Oh, okay. And they're, they're completely different, you know, style yeah. of riders. But um, Timmy had done a, a couple lines at Oak Park that I've, I that still to this day blow my mind. I'll I'll have some old VHS footage and uh-huh. and they're in there and it's like. It still blows my mind. He like bump jumps this, the uh, the triple that was before, the uh, the big doubles. Wow! And he and bump jumped in in two, uh, or did he bump, bu- jumped bump jumped the whole ball. thing. He oh bump jumped the gosh. whole thing. Wow! And it was uh, it was probably around uh, the double. It was probably around a twenty foot. Oh my god! Triple, a twenty foot bump jump. And he yeah he does it. Gosh. And I'm like, it's and it just, and he, I mean, just doing that, you know, is super impressive. And then there was like this really tight four pack, and he, I know he like, you you came out of a turn, and he like pulled, he rolled the first one, jumped two to manual, yeah. and into the next turn, mm-hmm. and it was just like a casual run through the trails. Yeah. Like, and I I'm always like taken back by those. Those yeah. two, those two things, um, but Punjab, like as far as, I guess a more of a modern trail rider of like pulling back on things, like some of his footage that like is in standard domination. Um, there's a couple of Oak Park clips in there, mm-hmm. or always got me stoked. You know, like watching him ride. Yeah, is uh, was always a treat. Awesome. Uh... I believe this is Mike Camerata, Chicken 4130. Uh, Oak Park was shrouded in mystery. The undeveloped cul-de-sac that the trails were built on, the shady people that hung out in and around the area, and a murder, question mark? Oh, wow, yeah. Um, so Oak Park, like I, like I was saying before, it was an undeveloped neighborhood that went bankrupt mm-hmm. at the end of a cul-de-sac. And we would be digging in the trails, and weird stuff you would see weird stuff come back there and or people come through a lot of the times um you know it was people dumping stuff which led to our advantage of you know someone didn't want a refrigerator so you know we go grab it but there's a couple of times that like you know people people would go back there and like have sex you know and like we were at the trails once when we were younger and there was a murder um and we were in the trails, and this guy on a um, on a trike yeah. came through with his kid, 
And so we directed them like, hey, you know, like like anytime anyone with a motorized vehicle comes into your trail, you run up and be like, yeah. get that thing out of here. Right, right. But we like guided him how to pass through the trails without doing damage and mm-hmm. get to the to the neighborhood. Sure. Well, somehow he got lost um, and stumbled across a dead body mm-hmm. and he comes running through the trails without the kid and without the uh the quad was that, was that and the we're kind of like oh that's kind of weird yeah. um oh my god and yeah. the police show up maybe 10 minutes later and yeah. they come to the trails and they have police tape and everything and yeah. they're like you guys have to go um and we you know we thought we were in trouble at first and there's right. like now you know you guys have to go there's you know been an incident and stuff yeah. and so they like roped off the place and we we're like oh this is kind of weird yeah. turns out um yeah a uh, a woman was murdered um right outside the trails oh, in the God. cul-de-sac kind of off in the woods oh, um i got a call about it about 15 years l- mm-hmm. yeah it would have been like 15 plus years later yeah um because it was a closed case but the uh a suffolk county uh sheriff Mm-hmm. Like called my uh, called my cell phone and um, mm-hmm. one of the actually got in touch with one of the people from Binghamton and had a Binghamton sheriff come leave a note really? <laughs> uh, at my place and so I called him up and uh, he was just like yeah it's a you know still a I guess a cold case we're just kind of like right. going through things and he's like do you remember anything about that day and and I was able to tell him I'm like I'm pretty sure it was. I'm like I, I told him who I thought I was with um, mm-hmm. at the time, and uh, sure. I don't know anything else that happened. Happened, wow. but like, yeah, that was kind of disturbing. Um, yeah, I would think. Yeah, I mean that was sad. Yeah, very sad. And then Oak Park had a couple like uh, rough incidences where kids from other neighborhoods were coming in and trying to steal bikes. Oh, and um, wow. I remember I like some kid stole my bike one time, like pulled a pulled a knife out on me, and uh, took my bike, oh and that, God. and like, I was kind of shook up about it, like for a second, yeah. as he's like riding out of the trails with my bike, and then right. like I grabbed my shovel and ran after him, and like, knocked him off my bike. And then, like, ended up, uh, he ended up pulling out the knife and trying to fight me with it. And I just kept hitting him with my bike. <laughs> and, uh, wow. Yeah, after, like, getting hit with a bike a bunch of times, he just, like, yeah. ran, ran out. And I was just like, cool. <laughs> <laughs> God, that's crazy. Uh, Tommy Bavona, uh, favorite trails to ride on Long Island with you, know, Les Oak Park, and why? Okay, without, not Oak Park. Yeah. Um, all-time favorite would have to be man you must have a, another really good one in mind if you're not spitting out 7-eleven it, right i mean it's it's hard to say what like i guess what gener like what era because mm-hmm. like sev definitely was you know i would say sev if we're talking the same time period but like oh, but panamoka or the Boons are probably two of the best spots Long Island has ever had. Yeah. Um, Never got to see Panamoka. They tore it down right when oh, it started. It was, again, it, it was another, uh, the, like the Boons, it was a, a work of art. Like, yeah. 
they had so many jumps and so many lines and everything. Um, it was Keith Terra's trail, was, uh, along with other. It was Ryan Hoey and um, Nick Fioretti. Oh yeah, yeah. And um, Justin Zober, mm-hmm. and uh, were I think the original crew, mm-hmm. and then uh, in later years, you know, Keith joined and. Um, gotcha. Um, yeah, so yeah, that's good. Well, uh, the but, next question is is going to be easy then because uh, Keith Terror asks uh, top five trails. Um, yeah, top five trails of all of all time. Top five. That's tough. top five all time. Not Long Island, just trails in general. Anywhere, yeah. anywhere in the world. Okay. Um, for me, number one. Um, Minersville trails, Minersville PA, um, Sean Schooner's trails there are hands down my favorite. The way he worked the landscape there, um, made one of the funnest spots I've ever ridden. Right, right. And then, um, yeah, like that place was just, it was before everything kind of like got sculpted, so it still had that that late 90s vibe to it yeah um but yeah he just really know knew how to use the landscape for your trails properly so it never felt um you can leave out uh john's bike too if you want if that helps you get it yours uh sorry about that go ahead just pull them all out yeah (laughs) so you got minersville and then you have four more okay so minersville would be number one um number two is gonna be Posh. Mm-hmm. Um, three caddy. Mm-hmm. Um, Just so you can shut. The... All right. This is all time. Caddy. Yep. Yep. So you got um, Myersville, Posh caddy, or I'm sorry, yeah, Posh caddy, right? Uh, and and then, so it's three. Then Oak Park and Sev because. They were like the spots that I kind of grew up riding. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's there's still a couple other spots I'd like to mention. Sure. <laughs> uh, the Gorge Road in New Zealand. Oh. I look at that place and I'm like, damn, like that would be a, a, a nice bucket list spot. Yeah. Um, there's that other um, set of trails in Australia that has uh, has that real red clay. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know the name of it, but... It's not in the city, is it? I, I don't know which city, but there's a place called... There's an Instagram, City Dirt Crew from Australia, and they've got a spot that's heavily supported by the community, but I don't know if that's the one or not. It's still... I don't... It still looks like it's in the woods. Um, the one dude... Um, I, I always forget forget how to say his last name, but I think... Chris Is it Chris Hart? Oh, Chris Hardy. Hardy. Yeah. Like, I think one of his edits has that spot. and um, The Gorge spot? No, the... Uh, the oh, the, I'm sorry. The, that yeah, red clay yeah. spot I'm talking about. Sure. But uh, I don't know the name of it, but that place looks amazing, too. Yeah. Um, man, all time. That's, you know, so many spots have come and gone, because, like, I could, yeah. like, just go on about some of the Long Island ones that had existed. Right. That I, right. uh, if my memory serves me correct, were pretty awesome for the for the time yeah absolutely um he, he has a uh a quick question after that keith Terror does what made you build one of the 
biggest jumps in Long Island Trail's history at Oak Park. Which, how long were those doubles? They were only 23 feet, oh. um, which by today's standard isn't that no. big. But for like 93, mm-hmm. 92, 93, maybe 94-ish, like on flat ground, that's, you know, a pretty hefty, hefty jump. And it was um, like when Brian and I built the jump, you know, we just dug out this tabletop we made. And we're like, well, that's one pile of dirt, that's the other. Mm -hmm. And, like, we both sweated jumping it. You know, like, who's going to, who's going to, who's going to jump it first was kind of, like, the big question. And uh, we both finally, like, got the courage. Mm -hmm. And I think I jumped it first. And um, I overshot it. Really? And we were like, oh, okay, well, let's make it bigger. So then we, like... Yeah. And we first probably built it, it was probably around 18, and then we just kept creeping it back. Uh-huh. And we pulled it back to the point where we were no longer overshooting it. And we're like, yeah. all right, that's kind of comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure we could have went bigger, but, you know, 45, I was running a 45-16 was my favorite gearing. And, yeah. like, that was, uh, that felt, that jump felt comfortable enough that we, it was scary, but. Mm-hmm. Um, not scary enough that you weren't willing to like trick it, right? Well, you know when I did it was after I saw Vinny G do it, and I'm like, if Vinny G's going to do it, I'm doing it. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, all, all respect to Vinny G. I love that dude. Yeah, uh, and he's still going to Kiko, you know, recently. So that's that's awesome. But yeah, Vinny G, he was. Yeah, I remember that clearly. But uh, yeah. I remember, and I'm pretty sure Vinny G was riding. I try. I try to. I for some reason I remember people by their bikes. Yeah, yeah. But I'm pretty sure, Vinny G was riding a purple mongoose solution, and he came to Oak Park, wow. and he was trying to jump like the little uh, yeah. bump jump table step trail, mm-hmm. and he just couldn't get it. Like, yeah. just casing and casing it, yeah. and then he threes it perfectly. Like, Whoa. and I was just like, wow. <laughs> I was like, that was. Wow. Super weird, but awesome. Like, yeah. Holy cow. Man. That dude's one of my all-time favorites. The ghost. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm so happy he's uh, he showed up at, at Kiko this year. Uh, all right. And by the way, Trails Warrior did ask uh, who tested the big jumps at Oak Park, so we talked about that. So yeah. The um, Well, the, the funny thing about, like, testing the jumps was, mm-hmm. like, we both would... It, I guess with that double in particular, mm-hmm. it was like we both would, uh, would, um, whoever had the courage. But yeah. my later building crew, which was, um, Matt Veach and Reed Carlton, when we would build together, um, who jumped at first was usually determined by who built the lip. <laughs> um, you know, like. It's only fair. It wasn't, I mean, because it, it wasn't like really, the later stuff wasn't really like. We were pretty confident, you know, yeah. that it was going to work. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was usually like, all right, you know, you built the lip, you want to send it first. Right. That's <laughs> awesome. That's a good way to do it. Uh, let's see. And, and then I just have one quick question. This relates back to the Keith Mulligan interview podcast. I don't know. I think that was before Christmas, maybe. But if if anyone wants to hear it, he's uh, he's he's uh, for episode fifty something. Uh, his his was awesome, but he did mention, and I have to ask: Were you there for the face slapping incident at Oak Park? 
<laughs> yes. Which Keith got his, I believe, got his face left, but go ahead and tell the tell the story and if you were there. Yes, I was there, and um, I actually had footage of it, and I don't know where it went. I was trying to get the footage to um, to Keith and his mom when they asked me about it, and I remember just searching all my footage and being like, it's got to be somewhere. And then over the years, you move and whatnot, and yeah. Like when I go back to my, like I, when I go back to my my mom's house and stuff, I mm-hmm. sometimes I try to remember to look for it. But I was there uh, that day, and I didn't know all the backstory. I just remember um, Matt's mom coming in, yelling at everybody who was in the crew. Like she yelled at Keith. She yelled at. Well, both Keith, Tara and Mulligan, oh yelled at Bavona, uh-huh. yelled at Brandon Silvers, yelled at Robbo, oh and yelled at anyone who was there. And like, <laughs> I was trying to, I was just like, this is crazy. And yeah, it just, it just like boiled into like Mulligan getting slapped. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh my God. And we, we've kept that name secret for, for a long time. <laughs> as far as who who that was, but it basically oh. kept knocking down the the jump, right? Like because and because he couldn't clear it or something. I mean, something like that. I, it's hard. Like, I guess. I mean, that's what. Yeah, that's what Mulligan. That's what Mulligan said. But I didn't know what that it was over a jump mm-hmm. or, you know, what the yeah right, right the the I guess trail politics of the time were. Sure. Like Oak Park, I was kind of like. You know, I was kind of in my own world there. It's like this is right. It's my spot, right? You know, and when people came through, I was psyched. So yeah, definitely. Uh, take a peek out your window. Are these guys riding, or they did they just take bikes out? They're still working. Yep, they're still working. Oh, so we'll still pretend to do a podcast then, because then we don't have to dig. Yep. Okay. Cool. Um, now, is it, it, how does it look on here? Is it recording well? Uh. Yes, sir. We're good. Okay. All right. So the, there's there's uh, two that? other guys that are looking drier than us right yeah, now. Yeah, so. we're not alone. Right. Definitely not alone. I see some other guys. I think Stoff is. Uh, I don't know. I think he worked a bit, but yep. Yeah, Stoff Stoff's out there. Yeah, now he's gonna stretch out. Um, <laughs> the ground truck. He's got his helmet on and and got the bike ready. He's just waiting for these guys to finish. Yeah, he's waiting for him to remove the cones and like let it go. Um, anyway. Uh, that's, that's that's obviously referencing an, an interview with with Ground Chuck. Um, all right, so let's do uh, good FBM. We could probably start uh, the music, but um, a lot of people may not know that you do a uh, a radio show at uh, at a college, and it's a it's called uh, Dwarf Invasion, right? Yeah, I so do. Give me a little. Give us all a little background on that one. I do a college radio station. Uh, I volunteer and do a radio show at uh, a college radio station called WHRW uh, Binghamton, uh, 90.5 FM. You can also stream it on the web at uh, WHRWFM.org. Oh, okay. There's a link so to listen live. You don't have to just be in Binghamton area to, to get the station. No, we are, we are worldwide now. Um, Love technology. And uh, I started doing a show there when I was in college. Uh, Whoa. Just because I, um, I always loved college radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 
when I went to Binghamton, one of the first things I did on campus was like find the, the radio station and, and join that organization. And right. Uh, right. and yeah, that just got me really interested in music uh-huh. and and in broadcasting because um you know both my parents were involved in radio. Um, my dad used to um, be a news broadcaster. Um, I did not know that. He, uh, yeah, he moved. We moved around quite a bit when I was younger, and actually even before I was born. He was um, a broadcaster with, um, I think it was uh, the the NBN. Um, so he was like trained to be a, a newscaster and. Did some time in Texas, um, and then in Boston, and then in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom, she ended up uh, working at a radio station, um, doing um, the public promotional events for. Uh, it was called WALK Radio, um, mm-hmm. on Long Island. Oh, nice. Yeah, so it's in the family. Yeah, it seems to be. <laughs> and, and... Uh, by the way, I can also say that the same uh, question was uh, coming from Brian Iroji. So thank you, Brian. Hopefully that answers things well for you. And uh, I wanted to know if you play any instruments. I don't play any instruments. I, um, yeah, I never had the I never had the desire to play an instrument. I, I really love music, though. Yeah, which I'm just. You know, some people have, and some people have a different appreciation for music because they play, mm-hmm. and some people just love music. Yeah, so. I, I just love music. I mean, I never wanted to play. I guess I never wanted to put in the time that it's going to require to mm-hmm. learn how to play an instrument, but even, like, looking at it, I'm, yeah, I just never really wanted to. Yeah? <laughs> uh, I am going to... Uh, Tara and I had kind of the same question. Uh, is that John Lynn? What's that? Is that John Lynn? Yes. Awesome. That is John Lynn. That's amazing. Right. And that surfboard's ready to go. That is crazy. Uh, John Lynn's been around lately. Um, so anyhow, so Tara and I, uh, had kind of the same question and he said top five bands and I said current favorite band and which is your all time favorite. So you can... Handle that any way you want. Uh, yeah, any way you want to handle it. Um, my all-time favorite band is Sonic Youth, and um, that is because there's something about the, the, their their sound that mm-hmm. makes me feel comfortable. Um, and there's enough diversity within their their albums that, depending on my mood or yeah. state, like. There's, it's uh, something that like I kind of identify with and feel yeah. um, at peace with. Right. <laughs> uh, it's their music is at times experimental. Sometimes it has you know it's a little angular sounding. Sometimes it's melodic, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, just sort of always like love that band mm-hmm. and and almost everything they've put out. Right. Um, top five bands of all time? Is that the, the next one? Yeah, yeah, that's Keats. Uh, wow. Hmm. Um, it's a hard one, because... With the length of your playlist every week, I would think it's really hard to answer that one. 
Yeah, um, I mean, it's hard to say all time without, without, uh, with, with trying to cover multiple musical genres, yeah. you know? Right. Um, and you, and you like a, a, a pretty, uh, diverse group of Yeah, I do. Um, and I don't really want to pick one kind of in sure. each, but like, you know, my what are you into right now? Maybe that's a, an easier way, um, since there's obviously a lot of music in your catalog. <laughs> well, me, I guess, well, top five, I, I guess Sonic Youth would be number one. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, ooh, wow. I almost wanted to, like, it's hard to do without, like, looking looking through my music. Sure. Like, having it, having it there. Uh, hey, you know what you do? You can make a, a top five list for me, and I can add it to the, <laughs> I can add it uh, to the podcast. Okay. If you need time to, yeah, I'm gonna have to think about that. One. I don't want to. I just don't want to like glaze over. Sure. Music's so important to me. I don't want to just like rattle off five bands that like right. that I've always really liked, but not necessarily give them the uh, yeah. the just do in there. Yeah, that might be worth thinking about, and and we'll make sure those are shown by the time I post this on Monday. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll have them from you, and I'll I'll do them. So that that's something to look forward to because I I I love the diversity of what you play on your show, and I, so I gotta imagine the top five is gonna be pretty diverse, also. Yeah, and um, does does it have to be bands? Is it top five artists? That yeah, like, that's true. You know, like true. All right. Um, we'll come back to that. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll come back to it. It'll definitely it'll be answered. Uh, Nick Rosano. Um. <laughs> Do you still throw on throw on alligator gun when fixing bikes? I know I do. <laughs> Thanks, Nick, for for the question. Um, Nick is awesome. He was a uh, a local mm-hmm. kid from Sable Bike Works, or from Sable, New York, who yeah. um, would come in to the bike shop and hang out. Yeah. When I worked at Sable Bike Works, and uh, moved to Texas, right? Moved to Texas, and he's an incredible artist, and. Uh-huh. I'm really super stoked that he still rides and um and that Nick has turned out to be an awesome person. Yeah. Um yeah, definitely. But yes, Nick, I still I I still do listen to Alligator Gun. <laughs> it it does come on when I work on my bike. Right, right. <laughs> uh Rich Sober, track director, uh him and Lisa, right? Yes. They 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 are awesome people. I, I don't, you know, I know it sounds like I probably say this a lot because it's true. I mean, there's so many awesome people, and Rich and Lisa Soper are definitely awesome. And they, so they hosted the first jam we had, uh, which involved a lot of uh, myself and a lot of your friends. And something that you did for the events there is uh, we asked you to make a, a playlist uh, that we could play in the background during the entire jam. So, Rich has the the CD that was that was made for the jam. Okay, and, uh, awesome. he listens to it all the time. Rad. <laughs> uh, so his question is, what is your go-to flow music for trails, and what would be your favorite song for BMX? Oh wow! So um, for trails, um, I actually prefer trails with no music. There's there's a certain sound that 
I haven't I haven't heard in years because um, it doesn't seem like any other tire does this. But mm-hmm. the Comp Three on a blue groove used to make this this sound, this uh-huh. whirl sound that almost had like a hollowness to it when you were going fast. Mm-hmm. And almost like the vibration. Yeah, and it like it had this. It's this noise that when I hear it, it just it brings me to like mm-hmm. the, the place where I first heard it. Yeah. Um, but I love hearing the sound of of the trails with without music, just mm-hmm. hearing people like go through a line smooth and yeah. um, you know your friends hooting and hollering. Uh-huh. Um, you know the, the 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 chuckle when someone tags a jump. You yeah, know, yeah, like yeah. Uh, yeah. so. If I'm actually at the jumps, I prefer, you know, no music. I'm trying to, I guess when I'm trying, when I'm in the woods, I'm trying to like mm-hmm. just enjoy the natural yeah. soundscape that's there. Um, yeah, but I as agree. far as a song to ride to, um, Sonic Youth, um, Dirty Boots is probably the most perfect song to ride to and I think Adam Banton mm-hmm. rides to it in the Odyssey electronical video oh. um, if I had to pick a song that that song kind of goes full circle with it's beginning and end mm-hmm. and um, would be the, the best song yeah, I'm, uh, I'm gonna write that down um, so Sonic Youth and what was the song? Dirty Boots off the album Goo I got that. Sorry about the pause. Uh, I just don't want to forget that. Um, all right. So, Matt Copeland wants to know, what's the best TV on the radio full length? I have to explain that to me a little bit. Uh, TV on the radio is a band, or was a band, uh-huh. sort, sort of a band, um, from uh, Brooklyn, New York. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt and I, one of the, I think the first times we met was because I had a TV on the radio uh, sticker on my bike and he saw it and yeah. we started talking about the band and it's really easy to talk about music and bond with you know your friends <laughs> uh, or make friendships over that uh, best TV on the radio album uh, Return to Cookie Mountain okay there you go uh, alright two more quick questions and it looks like they're starting to ride so we'll roll out there okay uh, and we'll we'll get to the next section after we uh, do a little pump pump tracking by the way, this is definitely, it's not, it's not dangerous at all, but it's definitely a uh, pump jump track, I would say. I love this place. <laughs> this place is a lot of fun, but you can roll everything too. So uh, anyway, um, and this is right by Gillies for those that don't know, and also next to, this. that's just called Richmond BMX, that track, right? Right. So uh, it's pretty wild that you have, we have pump track, uh, real trails, and then... You know, real, you know, real jumping trails, and then uh, the track, like all next to each other, they're all attached, basically right. attached, property-wise. Yeah, Richmond has an excellent cycling scene. Uh, I yeah. believe the we passed the one of like kind of the rail trails yeah. on the on the way. Yes, yeah. uh, it goes by the river, and mm-hmm. there's also some mountain bike trails within city limits. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, all right, two more quick questions, and then we'll we'll head out there. Uh, and then we'll finish the rest next time we sit back in the car. Uh, Powers Bike Shop wants to know, Chad Powers wants to know, favorite guilty pleasure band? 
Oh man. Whew. You knew you were going to get these 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 tough questions on picking one out of a million. The my favorite guilty <laughs> pleasure band is Rancid. Rancid. Yeah. Um, which I don't know why why I was kind of like an undercover Rancid fan for so many years. Yeah. Um, yeah, for some reason, I guess it was probably like they, you know, the mainstream notoriety they they got, and like they were sort of becoming a uh, like poster boys of punk, uh, like gotcha. a, like a, I mean, not as not as bad as like Blink One Eighty Two, but I think uh, yeah, Ransom would probably be the band that like I had cassette tapes and would purposely leave the label off of it, you know? <laughs> oh, man. A lot, yeah. a lot of guilt going on there. I think you. I built an entire section at uh, at Oak Park listening to uh, an Outcome the Wolves um, oh. rancid album. Wow, I can't, I can't believe you remember this stuff. <laughs> if I had half of your memory, I'd be happy. Uh, and then uh, last question, this uh, section is from your, your buddy up your way, uh, of Binghamton White. Chris Hancock wants to know... Care to tell the story behind the James Brown "I Feel Good" song at the end of Trail <laughs> at the end of Trailblazing? Oh wow! Um, so Trailblazing was a uh, was a video that uh, Darren Ah made. Um, Classic. Yeah, and Daryl, I guess like back then, like the way we made videos, or at least at least the way I thought videos were made were, were different. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, Daryl came and filmed some stuff at Oak Park and, uh, you know, filmed stuff from just us normally riding. But he asked me one time, he's like, hey, do you have any more footage? And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. I got some VHS tapes. Uh I had gotten a camcorder, um, and when I was figuring out how to use it, me and my sister, we got over the winter, and so we were figuring out how how to use it. And on this one VHS tape, we were making videos of ourselves lip syncing and dancing to music. Yeah. And yeah. the tape I gave him, I thought like had you know, had right. footage on it that right. had recorded over mm-hmm. everything. So Daryl has some riding footage. Yeah. And then lo and behold he stumbles onto this uh <laughs> this footage of my sister and I lip syncing and oh, just being just being kids, yeah, you know, because yeah, yeah. I'm probably 15 at the time, maybe. Wow. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty young. Yeah. The tape that it was on, I'm probably 15, if yeah. not a little younger. Mm-hmm. And um, I, didn't know he, I didn't know he had it. So when he made Trailblazer, and he called me up one day, and he's like, hey, on that footage, there's some, there's some other stuff on there. <laughs> um, I don't know how you feel about putting it in. And when he described it, I was just like, oh. And I, I was embarrassed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, but then I was like, you know what? Like, I was just like, yeah, dude, it's cool. Like, yeah. you can put it in there. Like, I did it. That's me. Like, yeah. it's part of my personality. I'm goofy. Yeah, like, um, it. And yeah. yeah, so he put that in the video. And it's hysterical because, yeah, it's uh, yeah. That's, that's that was, awesome. That was me. And, and I love James Brown. Um, so, like, how could you not? Guy was amazing. Yeah, amazing musician, amazing singer, uh, totally unique voice and style for sure. Uh, so, 
uh, we'll we'll head out there. It looks like they're at least thinking about it. Sitting right. on the sitting on the rolling, maybe. Yeah, guys are starting to get laps in. Oh, they are moving. All right. Mm -hmm. So we have two more sections to go, and we'll hit these when we uh, hop back in the van to go to the next spot. All right. All right. Let me see that thing here. See where it's at. All right. Yeah. All right. We're back in the back in the car. About to hit another spot. So uh, let's do let's do the section on smoothie and diet questions from the followers. And uh, I'm driving, so you can you can read them. Okay. Um, want me to just uh, yeah, start with the question, the, or, or you could you could read the question. Okay. Uh, that first one was one that I just threw in there, and then you can. Okay. Uh, for people that don't follow you on Instagram, uh, you are posting the smoothie of a day for some time. A couple questions related to that. Here's one I'm on. Was the choice to focus on smoothies related to your injury? Uh, yeah. Uh, when, like, when I had that injury, I was. Uh, oh, we're supposed to turn, <laughs> turn left here <laughs> or right here. Uh, <laughs> whew, that was a quick turn. Yeah, I forgot you can't give me directions while you're doing the I, podcast. I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're like two blocks away. Why don't just uh, nah, keep it going? Okay. Screw. Yeah, we're good. Um, so yeah, when I uh, when I when I have that injury, uh, go straight. Um, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, uh, that red truck that's Crescent, so we can right. just follow him. All right, let me do that. Um, there we go. Uh, so yeah, okay. Uh, I had to switch to soft foods, and um, I couldn't couldn't really chew anything. Um, I had to be on like a liquid diet. So uh, to get, I guess, enough nutrition, I started blending pretty much everything, and I found that making smoothies was the best way I could like have a well balanced diet. And the more smoothies I made, the, the better they tasted. <laughs> yeah, right. And so I kind of like. Uh, got a book on like 101 different smoothies and just started following that to develop uh, the, I guess, my palate for mm -hmm. smoothies and what worked for me and, yeah. and, what, and what didn't. Sure. Um, what else was to that one? Uh, yeah. So, uh, so let's uh, hit the, hit the uh, next question in just a second. Good? Uh, yeah, I think, I think right. so. It's uh, recording red. So. That is okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, we just got done with another session, Gentleman's Club. Thanks to Steve for putting together this weekend. Gentleman's Club trails are we're running good, right? Yeah, yeah. They uh, first session of the, of the season, and uh, it was nice to get some laps and put some fresh marks out there. Yeah. You were riding awesome, by the way. Thank you, thank you. It felt good to to be on, back on it, or yeah. just be riding outdoors. You, you were on it for sure. Um, so, what do you got for the next question on this uh, smoothie and diet? Um, next, uh, next question was from Casey Smith. Hey, wait one second. Uh, Chris Doyle's podcast, uh, Poliver, he just uh, posted 
his interview with Casey Smith. Which I am excited to listen to. Yeah, he's a good dude, and, and just uh, I'm, I'm glad Chris Chris caught up with him. Anyway, uh, I'm sorry. So, so, K- so Casey asks, what does your diet consist of? Um, my diet now is pretty much back to normal. Uh, for a while, uh, post-surgeries and post-recovery, I was primarily all smoothies, um, soups, uh, and very soft foods, and uh, I kind of burnt myself out of drinking smoothies for a little bit, uh, so now that I, I can eat, you know, I guess more, more denser foods, right. um, my diet's pretty pretty well-rounded. Uh, I usually have to cut things up into smaller pieces to chew, um, yeah. and uh, I know I can't really bite and tear into certain foods, so I've, I've had to adjust my eating habits a bit mm-hmm. uh, to figure it out, um, but for the most part, I can eat most anything. Uh-huh. And, you know, Not nuts. Tried to give you yeah. some almonds. Yeah, I try to stick, stay away from harder foods. Um like nuts and pretzels and mm-hmm. um, things that could potentially, uh, I guess, crack a tooth. Yeah. A couple of my teeth are uh, are chipped, and uh, because I do not have them crowned or capped, mm-hmm. I try to um, make sure I don't do any further damage. Got it. And if you listen to part one, it'll all make sense. So uh, as far as as far as your injuries, so it's uh, yeah, people should go back to part one if they haven't already. But uh, what do you got next? Uh, Chris Brigante from yeah, Long Island. Yeah, yeah, he's Long Island dude. Pedal driven Chris. He's, yep. He's a good, good guy. I think he is uh, Office 250 Trails. That's it. Is yeah. his spot. Um, Ask any tips for making a dialed smoothie. Um, you need to decide what type of smoothie you're you're looking to have. If you're if you want something that's more sweet and kind of desserty, or if you want, um, you know, something that's just more of a nutritional smoothie, mm-hmm. uh, a banana can mask pretty much any flavor you don't like. Mm-hmm. Same with an apple. Um, use an avocado, uh, for, if you want a creamier consistency, um, those are my main ones. Uh, These are good ones. don't add... Um, like, try not to try not to add anything that's like overly sweet to it because fruit has a natural sweetness. Mm-hmm. So try not to add any um, like I don't really try to add any like v- vanilla flavored protein powders or stuff like that right. unless you're you know trying to make something that's a little bit sweeter. I, you know, I, I usually stay away from putting honey in it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really, really it. <laughs> yeah. How many people asked you for recipes for smoothies when you were doing it? Um, a lot of people would, would ask me for advice on uh, what blender I was using and, um, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like good entry points to making smoothies. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of times I would just refer them. I started to kind of actually post what the smoothies were yeah. and some of the books that I was using to help guide me through right you know when you um if you're if you want to make more green smoothies using like you know a lot of kale kale, and stuff like that um basil Mm -hmm. uh 
you really need to kind of pay attention to your ingredient list. Uh, I also try to, when I buy my ingredients, I try to buy things that I can make multiple different types of smoothies with. Right. Um, so I can, you know, have a variety. Uh-huh. Uh, what do we get for the, the last one on this section? Rad Golf Dad 46. Uh, what is your favorite pizza? I need to know for f- future reference. The free type is my favorite type of pizza. Oh, so if you're yeah. buying, I'm eating. <laughs> no matter what it is. Never turn down a good meal, right? Yeah. But uh, when, it, when it comes to pizza, though, I, uh, I'm a bit of a pizza snob. Uh, Long Island and New York City area has the best pizza ever. No, no. Maybe um, even Connecticut. But you, I'm just kidding. The worst place on Long Island has the best pizza that that you've probably ever had if you do not live in that area. Um, hands down. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite things about going to Long Island is and, and New York is to kind of... Mm-hmm. There's just something about it. I don't know. I don't know what. Uh-huh. P- pizza and bagels. Mm. Yeah. Make, right. make me homesick. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Traffic circle. Yeah. Um, uh, sometime we have to put that address in your phone. Because we are on our way to get Thai food. Yeah, I've never been to a Thai restaurant. It's really? Gonna be, yeah, it's going to be awesome. Do you enjoy spicy foods? Uh, no. Sounds like you don't have a challenge. Okay. Um, well, you can get things mild. I mean, yeah. I tend to like things a yeah. little, little hotter. I got you. So we can, uh, I believe the next page is, is the miscellaneous question right. part. Uh, Coming down the home stretch. Yeah. Tom Pavona asked, <laughs> oh, did, did you wear the I Love Terror or I Hate Terror shirts? <laughs> I actually never wore either, but um, if I had to, I love Terror. Uh, Terror is one of like, one of my friends that like, even though time passed where we may not like talk as much as as we should um you know i i always know that we're tight like and you know if i ever need anything or i'm in a position um where he can help or vice versa like he's he's the dude that i know has my back um you know when when i got hurt he went above and beyond in in helping with the jam Mm -hmm. and uh you know that that support is just something that, like, you know, he's a friend that you know I made through riding, and is more more than a friend. He's, he's like my like my brother yeah. in a way. Steve, so, Steve, I'm sorry, Keith is is an awesome guy. He uh, he definitely <coughs> excuse me. He he definitely helped out a lot uh, with the with the jam, the your jam. John Lee Jam, I should say, but uh, yeah, it, it was that was a really fun group effort. But he, he definitely did such an awesome job and inspired me to keep it going. So I, I have a lot of ton of respect for Keith. But uh, uh, yeah, so uh, what else do you have there? Um, besides road construction, <laughs> yeah, right. uh, Kyle Hibbert, which Kyle is a uh, <coughs> good friend of mine from the Binghamton area. I, I, 
Enwell Trail local. He says, tell a good Enwell Trail story. There are a lot of times you and Chris Hancock had me cracking up while digging. Um, man. Think that's coming in? Uh, no. Yeah, we're good. Okay. Yeah, we're good. It's a little out, but it'll pass in just a second here. <laughs> so, Enwell Trails is um, my local spot, and I've been digging there for the past, uh, I don't know, 10, 12 years, oh, wow. it seems. Um, off and on as the weather weather allows. Uh, Enwell Falls in this floodplain that you can pretty much do anything you want down there. Yeah. And, um, and like most trail spots, you know, like we are kind of kooks in the woods, but the other people coming back <laughs> through the trails are right. just as kooky, if not worse. Uh, yeah. There's been anything from guys going off-roading in, in trucks uh, and getting stuck with baby seats in the back oh, and having their kids in the car running oh, into the trails. God. Or uh, there's one, Chris and I were really freaked out about it. This one time, this guy came back and he was shooting off a, a gun and he's just like, hey, oh. don't worry about it. I'm a cop. And uh, we're like, we don't care that you're a police right. officer, you can't come back here and just just start sh- just shooting off in the woods like yeah. in their active areas. Um, Chris probably has more stories, wilder stories. Yeah. I, I kind of, when it came to the trails, when people would come in, mm-hmm. I would be pretty adamant of getting, if you weren't there to ride, yeah. like I didn't really want people there just hanging out or like checking out the place. I kind of mm-hmm. wanted to keep it closed and I didn't want to make I mean I've always been welcoming uh, at least I I try to be welcoming to people coming to the trails and checking them out but Uh there's a difference between if you're there to ride or if you're there to like kind of party and I never wanted my trail scene to be like a party scene so Um, Wild Bill asks when I'm coming to Kiko this year Mm. and uh, I don't know before Um, he moves He's moving. Yes, he's re- so you moving to get there before he moves. He's moving to Ohio, um, yeah. and I would love to get a session in before you go. Um, so, uh, why don't you guys just start digging and let me know when it's all dialed in, and I'll come. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, that's how this whole day works. I'll, I'll be, a, be, I'll be as dry as I can be. Yeah. Now I've been meaning. I always want to go out to Kiko, and I want to ride it in like a uh, a time when it's not a jam where I can just kind of be with the homies and just, sure. you know, ease my, my way into it. Um, I guess the next question is from uh, Chris Hancock. Yeah. Uh, he asked me, how many RC cars do I own? And, well, for those who don't know, I'm really into remote control cars, uh, especially vintage RC10s um, from Team Associated. Huh. Uh, he was more of a low-C guy, but I, I used to race RC cars uh-huh. as a kid, and I kept most of my my old RC stuff. And uh-huh. the actual, I found out about the BMX track because of RC racing. The RC track was down the street oh, sweet. from Shoreham BMX uh-huh. and, uh, and waiting, you know, Shoreham slash Waiting River. Sure. So I used to have to pass it, and uh, one time I. Um, when I was passing it, I decided to stop in, and I was like, "Oh, that's pretty cool!" Like, you know, I didn't know we had a racetrack at that time. Uh-huh. But to ask uh, 
Chris, answer Chris's question. I think I have 25 RC cars currently. Uh-huh. I think 12 of them are probably able to run right now. Um, and then the rest are either ones I'm restoring or um, or have a project where I kind of want to, you sure. know, do some modifications on it and, mm-hmm. and play with it. You so, know. Someday you should go race Bogey Givens. Yeah, but he is... I saw that he's really into it. He's yeah. actually like on a different, completely different level. Like I'm, really? I'm more just like a hobbyist. He's uh-huh. more like an amateur racer. Really? You know, I think he has sponsors and stuff. Oh my god, that's wild! Yeah, I he, never even knew that existed. He, he travels to like the, the some of the larger RC events. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like it's uh, I mean RC cars. It's kind of I mean you watch. It's like BMX in the sense that you're jumping them. You're you know, I made a little RC track not too far down from the trails, mm-hmm. so like you know, I can keep an RC car with me and sure. run a lap or a battery pack out or two. Mm-hmm. And you make little rhythm sections and you know tune the suspension and stuff, which yeah, just it's a hobby. That's awesome. Uh, you know, real real quick question: uh, How many CDs do you have? I don't know. Um, that living room that I was in last weekend was packed. It was. I would guess 200, 300. Oh, no, I have like, I'm in CDs, I'm in the thousands. But, <laughs> um, wow. but yeah, I don't know. I don't know how many CDs I actually, wow. I actually have. And then uh, records too, right? Yeah, and records. So, Man. and then there's a lot of stuff I have that's uh, just digital from the, uh, the radio station right. where I've uh, burned CDs at, or ripped. Uh, records gotcha. in, to add to my collection right what's next what else you got on there um he asked me how many uh, this is another chris hancock question yeah. how many lifetime miles have you pedaled on a road bike um i don't know my my fbm sword which is my fixed gear bike mm-hmm. that was more my commuter um about five years ago, the the computer got stolen off of it, and I was about at 2,000 miles on that bike. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, that's a hard one to say. I mean, mm-hmm. depending on the... You don't log um, miles in, like, a notebook or anything like that? Strava does, like, a... Like, keeps track of it, and then, like, I have a Garmin unit, but I, I never really pay attention to, like, total mile count. Right, right. You know, it's more about what mileage I did for that ride, and, mm-hmm. you know, I don't really look at the year-end stats. Um, but a lot. You know, I try to ride uh, at least five out of seven days being on a bicycle. You know, if I can do... Wow. If I can ride every day between riding mountain bikes, BMX, road bikes... Right. And or just pedaling around like you know on a commuter bike, mm-hmm. um, it's the best way to get around. Yeah, definitely. It's fun. It's definitely fun to mix it up. I think for sure. Yeah. Uh, so um, my camera. I don't see. Uh, there's yeah. one before that. Is Kutulu. Uh huh. Kutulu asks, who and what inspired you at different stages in my life? Wow. Um, well, you know, my parents have always, like I mentioned in the first 
paragraph of all I've been paragraph podcast yeah. uh, have always been you know a huge inspiration my, mm-hmm. but my peers also have been a, a major part in my life um, there isn't just one particular person um, when I was in third grade uh, I had a teacher um, her name was Mrs. Calvin and she was like she was a teacher who instead of um, being more of a, a, discipl- a disciplinary type mm-hmm. of teacher right. um, she worked with my parents and was like you know she made it she made it so like they understood my interests and kind of would help my education in that form. Mm-hmm. Um, I was kind of like, you know, as a kid, I was a little bit more distracted. I, I didn't really, I didn't really like school at, at that age. Uh-huh. You know, I just kind of wanted to play all day and everything. And, um, you know, so my grade and my learning wasn't at grade level at that point. Um, and so, you know, I, when I was talking with my mom about it, she was like, originally, they, I guess, depending on how your birthday falls, right. is when, when they put you in school. Uh-huh. And so, she should have kind of held off on putting me in school. Right. But then that would have put me as being one of the, I guess, slightly older kids in my grade level. Um, so she ended up putting me in on pace and I wasn't exactly kind of ready for that. So I wasn't necessarily mature enough. And so that kind of caught up with me in in third grade. I wasn't at like, um, the proper reading levels and the proper math levels. And, um, they, the, the school at the time, um, you know, wanted, they started testing me, you know, to see what my, my, I guess my aptitude was and, right. and everything and um, my mom was like super adamant about she's like I don't want him to go and do that type of thing because she's like you know if he gets like if, if he gets labeled as a certain way as a kid that stigma or whatever that is is going to stick with him throughout his entire education and she didn't want that I mean I guess it could have went both ways I could have been I could have been a genius who knows but whatever it was um, she didn't want it to go that way and um, she spoke with my teacher uh, Mrs. Calvin and Mrs. Calvin was just like listen like you should hold me back so she held me back and they made sure that I had her again and they were like well what is he interested in and I was interested in RC cars. I was interested in BMX. I was interested in skateboarding. And so they like bought me or subscriptions to those magazines and oh, okay. got me books into that. And that's where like I really kind of like dove in and I'd read these magazines cover to cover, you know, multiple times. And I, and I would read to my parents what I was reading because I was so into it. And so like that really kind of helps correct my my learning and, and help me kind of be able to focus and, and get up to speed. Right. So, you know, 
Mrs. Calvin was a huge impact in in that. Um, that's when I was like really young. Um, you know, as I got older, uh, my first job I got was at a uh, a bike shop called Sable Bike Works, and uh, the owner Jeff, uh, he is another person who's been huge in my life um, as a mentor. Um, he's uh, just super with it. Like he knows. Um, I mean, smart businessman. Um, he's a great human being. So like morally of doing what's wrong and what's right and how to treat people and how to interact with people and just kind of like, I don't know how to interact in society. He was always, um, definitely one of the people that I I look up to and always kind of take, take a nod of, uh, helping shape my, my character. Did, uh, Mike Camerata's question that the uh, chicken forty one thirty. What was his? What was his actual? <laughs> um, he says, question? "What's my favorite memory working at Sable Bike Works?" Oh, okay. Um, if you want to do that one, that'd be good. Yeah. Um, man, uh, I worked at Sable Bike Works from when I was, I think, fifteen, possibly yeah. all the way, you know, into my twenties until I moved out of the area. I would always work on the shop whether it was the weekend or uh-huh. summer break and whatnot um working in bike shops is crazy because you get people from all walks of life yeah. you, know, you get people who are enthused about cycling you have people who don't have a who have maybe lost their license um through a dui or going through some tough times um right. so uh there's always been like and a very eclectic squad. Um, <laughs> but uh, one of my favorite memories working at Sable Bike Works was Sable had this local guy called Bike Mike. Yeah. And um, Bike Mike would do like odd jobs in the town. Uh-huh. Um, you know, sometimes Bike Mike was um, homeless, sometimes he wasn't. Um, and he was a good spirited guy, but he definitely was an alcoholic. Um, right. And so Bike Mike came into the shop one day super belligerent. Like, you could tell he had a couple. It was a Saturday. It's like a Saturday morning. And um, and so when we saw him coming in, we were just like, oh, hey, Mike, you know, like, what do you need? You know, just thinking he might need a quick repair or nothing. He comes in, and he has a wad full of cash, and he wants to buy um, an adult trike. So one of the things that Jeff would do with the bike shop was that he'd always have like an interesting bike or two outside that would be that people would drive by and see and would maybe stop in the shop and be a conversation starter and at the time we had an adult tandem trike and (laughs) bike Mike is like I want to buy that thing and we're just like nah Mike you don't you don't really want to buy that just like you know he's like I think it's so cool I want to buy it and he had a friend with him and so he's getting louder and starting to cause a scene in the shop. And there's, oh, yeah. there's children and, you know, families and whatnot. So Mike was just um, was getting louder and louder. And so Jeff was like, hey, um, all right, Mike, you know, fine, it's yours, you know? Yeah. And he's just like, you don't think I could buy it? And Mike throws down a wad of cash. Yeah. And uh, so Jeff's just like, all right, Mike, just, you know, 
take the bike, have fun, right, right? right? And takes the cash. The dude ends up, him and his buddy end up riding around town on an adult trike, oh, completely hammered with the back, because the adult trikes have like um, baskets, baskets. Yeah. and they have the back filled with beers oh. and are just raging throughout the day. The, the police end up coming to the shop, uh-huh. um, and they was like, "Hey, did you uh, saw Bike Mike? And he, he's him and his friend have that trike. Like, uh-huh. Did he take it?" Like we're just like, "No, it's it's cool. Like yeah. he's just kind of going through something." Uh-huh. And the next day, Bike Mike comes in, and he's just like, "Hey, Jeff, um, I'm kind of I have this adult trike that I know is in front of the shop." Like, uh, I don't know how I got it. <laughs> oh, no way. You didn't... He didn't remember it at all. Uh-huh. And so we're like, all right, dude, like, you know, where is it? And so he brings back, and we're like, check it out. The bike's fine and everything. Yeah. And then Jeff hands him back his money. It was just like, here's, like, your cash mm-hmm. that you are. Like, he was super apologetic and whatnot, yeah. and... But it was just one of those stories I can only imagine, like, these dudes going down Main Street in Sable, which Sable is a pretty conservative town. Right, right. Raising hell on a uh, uh-huh. an adult trike. <laughs> well, now we're at our Thai restaurant stop, and I think uh, when we pick it back up, it's we just have a couple questions left. A couple questions left, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and there's a couple other people that I want to mention that, uh, sure. you know, inspired me during my life. Um but we'll do that when we get back. Absolutely. Yeah. No limit on time. It's time we'll, to eat. Uh, yeah, right. All right. We're going to finish this. We were at, we kind of covered both of these. Yeah. But, oh, we're, um, we're down for, to Derek Gerard. For, um, for what, mm-hmm. for who and what inspired you at different stages in your life, I think I was still him and and hawing at that a little bit because <laughs> um, uh, I know I mentioned uh, yeah. you know my early earlier in my life I mentioned uh, how it was a teacher um, oh right and, right right uh, and later it was uh, uh, the owner of the shop um, yeah uh, Jeff yeah was a, a big mentor um, for me mm-hmm. um, you know I, my friends have also have really been uh you know inspiring yeah <laughs> you know um it's weird as it i it's weird as it, i don't like want to call out anyone and make them mm-hmm. uncomfortable but right. like um crandall yeah has been a huge inspiration in the way he lives his life and mm-hmm. his outlook on things right. that um you know, he just happens to be one of one of my best friends, and yeah. and is a, a dude that, like, yeah, I mean, he definitely inspires me, um, mm-hmm. and uh, also keeps me stoked at the, yeah. at the same at the yeah. same time. It's uh, he does it for a, a lot of people. I'm sure it's a, a little bit different with you working with him as well, but he's a stoke master. Yeah, no doubt there. It's um. I feel like our we have a, a good balance in our relationship, mm-hmm. you know, our work relationship versus our personal relationship. Right, right. Um, you know, times at, when things get tough at FBM, and well, we all feel as though like, mm-hmm. you know, we could be doing better here or there. You know, right. like 
we can separate our work feelings versus our yeah. you know, our private things. So right. none of us ever take any of that stuff to to heart. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I could, I could, yeah. or any criticisms to that. heart. <laughs> Hey, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, Jeff Allen. Uh, John um, really wants me to podcast you after this. Good luck with that. Yeah, all right. I'll, I'll find you. All right. <laughs> all right. So uh, why don't we move on to um, to Derek Gerard? Okay. Uh, because actually, I can take this back if you okay. don't mind. Because now, now, now we're not driving, so I'm good. Just keep this thing this thing near you. Okay. Uh, so Derek Gerard stove dialer does some awesome machine uh, machine metal work. Just did a, a forty four tooth um, sprocket for me, and it's awesome. And it says the BMX in our blood right on it. Got a stem too. It's just cool stuff. So he makes awesome stuff for everybody. What did he just make? What was the size of that Gary made for Binghamton? He made a sprocket. Um that is something like like a hundred tooth or something like that yeah. or it's, it's ginormous for a um one of the engineering mm-hmm. students projects if you uh go to derek's instagram you can check out pictures of it yeah and uh i'll have a little bit more in, in depth in the description of what what the project is yeah right yeah you can find him at stove dialer so just definitely check him out he, he's an upcoming interview at some point i oh, just want to go to maine to do it you know, it's that would be awesome. Uh, what is the longest road trip you've survived in a Volkswagen Bug, distance or time? Um, I have a 1970 Volkswagen Bug. It's the first car I ever purchased, mm-hmm. and it was my daily driver for years. Um, so I've taken that all over the place. Um, I guess the longest, like straight shot I've probably ever done in it was probably about 10 hours um between like you know road tripping like round trip road tripping in it it's not the most comfortable car in the world (laughs) by any means but at the time when uh when I purchased it I wanted a car that I was able to work on myself uh so the bug has been good to me over the years. Mm-hmm. No long, it's no longer my daily driver. Um, I usually just kind of weekend warrior with it now. Right. Um, but at the time, I, did, I didn't even know it was uncomfortable. Like I didn't know it was like not the most ideal. It was just it was it was my car. I could fit yeah. my bike yeah. in it, and I can fit I can fit two people, mm-hmm. sometimes three people, with three bikes, yeah. and we were off. So that was our yeah. our adventure. I love those things. Um, those are air cooled, right? Yeah, air cooled. Um, you know, it's light enough that you can pop start it easily. Yeah. Um, the engine's real simple, so you can usually, if something goes wrong, you can fix it on the fly. Mm-hmm. And the parts are easy to get. Yeah. Uh, and that was always the case with the buses, too, right? I mean, a lot of people traveled distance in, in buses for the same reason. Uh, what? So, Brian Irochi. Uh, says alright so he's given a situation he's saying you've had a bad day and you have one hour before the sun goes down you only get to ride one of your bikes which one do you choose and why that is solely dependent on the weather yeah okay Um, (laughs) if it is if it's a 
if it's been raining that week mm-hmm. and I've had a bad day yeah. and I know that my ma- the mountain bike trails or the BMX trails are going to mm-hmm. be, um, you know, not ideal, mm-hmm. like I'll go out on my road bike and, you know, just if I, I guess if I have, if I want to clear my mind, I'll go on my road bike because you can hammer out some miles, you can put in a, a long day and you can, you can really let your mind kind of focus, you know, um, mm-hmm. whereas with BMX, you got to be more on it. Um, mm-hmm. You got to pay attention to, the, there's a lot more, I guess, going on. If you're, if you're trying to do tricks and, sure. you know, go through a line. Um, Which could almost be more yeah. stressful in a way. Right. Uh, but if the weather's good uh-huh. <laughs> and my trails are running, there's no better stress than riding your own trails, something mm-hmm. that you... Actually, there's no better stress than just going and building your spot, um, yeah. whether you've had a bad day, whether you get to ride it or not. Uh, I think, yeah, I would rather... I'd rather be there digging mm-hmm. and stacking a jump and packing it in and then getting to enjoy it on the days that it's rideable, mm-hmm. number one. Um, yeah. And as much as I love riding mountain bikes and I love riding road bikes, right. BMX is always... Riding BMX trails is always my number one to go to. Right. Um I will go mountain biking over going to some to my local skate park. Right. Just right. because of the way just my local park's not bad, but it's you know, it's not that thing that really like yeah. gets me stoked. It's kinda of more going through the motion of like I wanna be on my bike and uh Right. Got it. Uh, before we finish uh I've got a I've got two questions I'm gonna ask of you. But before we finish, when uh one of the between one of the trips from uh trails to trails to dinner and all this today, this this awesome day that Steve put together, uh you had mentioned you wanted to add to a part of uh or add to an answer about um working at FBM and uh, what keeps you there? Maybe was that the question? Yeah, it was a, uh, Keith asked a question um, about what keeps me motivated or into right. you know, working in the the BMX industry, and um, I, we had we had a good discussion on the bench at the trails about it. And like, mm-hmm. you know, earlier in my answer, I said that you know it's the people within mm-hmm. BMX and the riding community that keeps me there and and that is true um but like working within the industry at times is really hard um you know especially for a company like fbm where um you know we had a lot of ups and downs and struggles and when you kind of think about what you want out of your life or where you want to be in life um you know sometimes you're like well is you know, financially, is this the the best place for me, or am I going to be able to build the the life that I want? Mm-hmm. And um, 
it makes it tough sometimes when we when our backs are against the wall where we're just like man we're really trying it's not working out and that you possibly have to do something else um and I don't want to really say that's like making a sacrifice as we talk um because yeah. it's that conscious choice to be part of 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 our our group and our squad and like I want to be in it um but you know there's certain things that like you know we uh, we're not at in at FBM like mm-hmm. uh that you know some of my friends you know who are you know starting families or you know purchasing homes or you know doing things that like would i guess are more for your 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 long term your your future mm-hmm. um that it's a it gets a little scary thinking about you know well what do we do after you know fbm or right. if, if there is an after um you know what where would we go and uh you know steve and i had a couple heart to heart chats about it when our backs are against the wall about you know mm-hmm. well what happens what do we do next and um i don't think we either of us really have an answer for that mm-hmm. um but we are kind of like focusing on on the moments the now so you know we can do our best to you know keep going and um you know live our lives in a way that we are comfortable with mm-hmm. you know uh when we look back you know it'd be one of those things that it would suck to like walk away from an opportunity um because you didn't want to put the work in yeah. and fbm is one of those things that it's like a it's a blank canvas mm-hmm. and you know we are able to like we do our best to make it to paint that canvas in a in a way that uh we feel is right for for us and hopefully we are contributing to um to a you know a a, a greater BMX community and other people who you know like what we're doing right right and you know ideally being able to survive off of that right yeah so that's got to be difficult as life goes on because uh, you told me about, um, you know, we just talked about different situations where, okay, you know, starting starting family, you know, it's it, it's it's almost like the it, it's almost like the the company starting the company, and it's been uh, is it thirty years now, just about? Um, I think we're on our. I guess FBM as a as a company brand or its existence has been like around twenty five, going okay. on twenty six years. You know, from the first shirt, from the first, to the... yeah, from it being like a a crew. You know, mm-hmm. but as far as becoming like a you know a manufacturer and and like really trying to be mm-hmm. a, a brand, um, right. you know, it's probably been since the uh, late nineties. Sure. Yeah. Well, you guys are definitely a brand. Not, you, yeah. I don't. It, you, there's no question there. It it is. Yeah. I mean, we are because mm-hmm. we we make a product and you know we sell a product, but we don't. Like, I, I guess it's hard like with FBM to to approach it in a way that like we're trying to sell you something, you right. know, because um, we we more want you to be a part of something mm-hmm. and you know what we what we make is 
the parts that we make and the things that we contribute so you mm-hmm. can ride or I think I think our sometimes we have a disconnect in our branding versus and our marketing because we're maybe we get a little bit uh a little bit of tunnel vision yeah. um because you know it does need to operate as as a business and sometimes you lose sight of that when there's a lot of passion product projects happening mm, yeah i i feel like it's a the business has has uh tried to tried to adapt as as it as it grew older and and more focused in trying to make sure you make money but at the same time I should say balance the the business sounds like it's always tried to keep that balance but in keeping that balance probably doesn't take a lot of risks because you don't want to take a lot of risks because (laughs) you can you can make it on the you can make it if you go the safe route or you could possibly you know put in a hard charge and then and as you've seen with so many manufacturers uh burn up and just fade away yeah uh, i mean i think we've i don't think we've, we've played it safe by any means um i think sometimes we've been either behind the the curve on some things mm-hmm. um or or just not really aware of our position at the time in, in the marketplace in the market yeah, yeah. um because you know, starting a machine shop isn't a, and manufacturing your own frames and parts, you know, isn't like playing it safe no, by, no, any, by, yeah, yeah. by any means. Um, we, you definitely have skin in the game. No, you're, but, you're uh, right. But sometimes we, uh, I could say FBM as a whole, we've we've had a lot of, um, you know, a lot of growing pains, mm-hmm. and uh, to, to keep growing, to try to keep growing the 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 company and in this economic climate and as BMX changes and as we age, it's um you know we're it's I guess a juggling act yeah because like you know my my ideas and what I'm into BMX is different than mm-hmm. you know a fifteen year old you know sure. and I don't want to have to like. I can't speak for everyone else at FBM, but we don't want to have to like be like, all right, well, kids like you know mm-hmm. pink bikes now, so like we have to do a pink colorway. Like we never want to chase that, you know, that trend or like um, compromise, you know, mm-hmm. our ourselves and our values and what we what we're into just to like make a buck with it. Right. Which, uh, you know, I think that sometimes might hurt us, you know, because mm-hmm. there's probably a generation of riders who doesn't know FBM. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, you know, it's, that's a bummer because I feel like, you know, we're here, but right. there's been a lot of companies in BMX that have mm-hmm. come and gone over the years. But we uh, hope that as long as uh, we're riding that we're, mm-hmm. we're around. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it sounds like, uh, it, a big part of the goal is to keep your identity uh, in, in what FBM has always been and still uh, satisfy every every need of the business. You know, 
had had a chair. Right. But I, I guess like you know, whatever I was, I think where I was going with it is that like. I don't know exactly what like the future holds uh-huh. um, with uh, I guess with any of it. Sure. But uh, at least like I know I can look back on everything mm-hmm. that FBM has done right. and my times with FBM um, and say like, hey, we gave it our we're giving it our all, you know. Right. We're and like I'm, I feel you know whether we you know win or lose, you know like mm-hmm. trying is like the you know you you have to you have to try in order to you sure. know succeed or fail. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what uh we'll see where we go with yeah <laughs> with that yeah I I don't know it's like when I think about it you know my reasons for being at FBM have always. Yeah, I've always pretty much been the same. To work with, like, you know, my friends and, mm-hmm. you know, do some cool stuff in BMX and, like, you know, be able to do that and, you know, sustain our lives and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but often, you know, I wonder, you know, am I doing it out of fear, mm-hmm. like, of changing or doing something different? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, am, am I... Am I scared of trying something else and that potentially failing, or like is you know, sure, you know, like where I guess like when you look at, um, I guess what, I guess what like people do as as you get older, mm-hmm. like you know, you I, I, you know, I compare myself to my friends at what what they're at and what they're mm-hmm. doing, and um, and you know also with my with my family to see what they're doing and these mm-hmm. there's these markers in life that we like that we do and i think i sometimes like i don't know if i'm consciously or unconsciously like going against the grain like i'm sometimes i'm looking at like some of the decisions and being like oh well i don't really know if that particular decisions for me even though it's like that's kind of the next logical step sure. um so, I guess it's like I don't know if I I'm just I guess I don't really know the my my reasons behind it like uh, mm-hmm. of why I'm making some of those some of the choices. But I'm I just want to like I just want to do things and it to be I want to be able to live my life on my terms mm-hmm. and you know whether decisions I choose to make or not to or not to make you know be my own you right. know and and not do something because i'm ha i have to or i'm told to or mm-hmm. um you know i want to be re- like responsible for those choices that i make right i understand and when you're part of a team making decisions like that it probably gets a little more difficult it gets difficult i mean there's a level of compromise mm-hmm. um and that will i mean with with your work you know mm-hmm. obviously there's things that you have to compromise and do but also in our, in our you know personal relationships yeah. you know like if you want you know to move forward and start a family there's right. a, you know compromise in that or you know moving and settling down somewhere mm-hmm. or you know picking up and moving across country or whatever that whatever yeah. you 
your your path is. You know, right. I think there's a level of compromise mm-hmm. that you have to make. Um, right. And I don't know if sometimes I'm doing the ones that I'm because I'm stubborn in staying in that lane or comfortable, or if I, you know, I'm scared to veer out of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm still kind of like I still wrestle with mm-hmm. with that. I do feel that it's got to be difficult uh, with your team at FBM because you're all trying to reach a goal at the same time you're considering what's best for you. Yeah, um, we we all depend on one one another right. um, to make it work. So, And you're essentially family. Right? Yeah, you feel a responsibility to your coworkers to mm-hmm. show up and put your best effort in mm-hmm. because, you know, they are relying on me just as much as I'm relying on them. And, and you know, I like when FBM decided to relocate to um to Ithaca, you mm-hmm. know, like my commute, you know, was had to change drastically. Um but right. the other guys had when it was in Binghamton, you know, yeah. they were putting in that yeah, yeah, that yeah. amount of right. effort um, also. So I guess it's like, you know, I guess it's my turn. <laughs> but mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, even when it was making that, when they were, when we were looking at the, the new building to mm-hmm. move into, you know, I wasn't really like, I wasn't really 100% on board. I was kind of like, oh man, like, mm-hmm. we'll see how this goes. Right. You know, hopefully it works. Um, right. But yeah, we've we've made it work so far. You have to, in order to for it to keep mm-hmm. moving forward, you're gonna have to keep evolving and mm-hmm. reinventing yourself. I just hope we do ours um, in a way that is mm-hmm. uh, comfortable and and like I guess morally and ethically mm-hmm. right for the our team, you yeah, know, of guys. Yeah. Well, one thing that's great, there's definitely not a lack of effort because you guys, you know, between Steve and then and then you guys supporting what, what Steve does uh, in his mind of what, what's going to get people stoked to ride, that part, I think, is, is really unique with FBM, and, uh, and people love it. I mean, just look at the DIY championship, you know, as, as an event. FPM is going to be sponsoring the jump line at my fundraiser this this year, and these are all really cool things. You're doing it because that's what how FPM I I think is is best representing itself. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's I think FPM has changed over. <laughs> I guess like you know what the what. FBM is changing in, in the sense that, like, it's it's a brand, mm-hmm. but, like, the essence of it isn't something that can be can be bought. Mm-hmm. Um, right. It's something that has to be experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like, we hope that people who come to the events and see mm-hmm. what we're doing appreciate the the experience and the vibe of it and that chooses and then, and then they choose to support uh, the brand so we can mm-hmm. continue doing that stuff you know by purchasing you know one of our 
many awesome products, mm -hmm. you know, and not just saying like, oh, I want to get, you know, I want to get the FBM headset because it comes in a red, you know? Right, right. <laughs> yeah, right. but I mean, that's cool too. Like if, you know, right. or if you want the whatever mm -hmm. oil slick version yeah, uh, yeah, or yeah. something. Yeah. Um, I just see like, with like the way social media is now and like I look on, I'll look on Instagram and how BMX is being kind of presented or curated to me mm. now. And like I see some some other some other riders who are getting older kind of like mm -hmm. eh, get just kind of grumpy or jaded within it sure. about you know what BMX is and how it's like mm -hmm. you know not awesome anymore or yeah. you know it used to be used to be rad and mm -hmm. and like you know that type of stuff like being an older rider like it that kind of bums me out it makes me feel as though like well you know what are you paying attention to because like we're mm -hmm. over here having a kick-ass time yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know so like, yeah. what is there really to be you know like yeah 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 you know it's like you know the, the bmx midlife crisis that happens you know right. where riders kind of older riders start questioning their identity with you know, mm -hmm. in bmx and sure um you know, I, I mean, I do that, but you know, I, mm -hmm. but not in a, I guess in a in a manner that I want to like, you know, put a put a put it on, like my public persona, yeah. you know, like, yeah, I'll, I'll do I'll, I'll have my breakdown at the trails. <laughs> yeah, right, right, <laughs> right. Oh, are you seeing that with the resurgence of of riders in their you know thirties, forties, getting into fifties? Uh, is positively affecting the company as far as customs or maybe uh, buying part of a run of of certain bikes uh, whereas uh, let's say 10 years ago maybe the guys uh, weren't back in it yet or you know what I mean do you do you think FBM aligns well with certain ages uh, more so than others yeah, um, you know what I mean. It's, yeah, I, I mean, I guess that's kind of knowing like what who your your audience is, mm -hmm. um, and where I think we're at a point where we have a good grasp on that. Um, the guys who know what they want um, and are and kind of care about where their their money's going. Yeah, um, we see a lot of that and. A lot of those dudes now have kids who ride, right. and they are introducing their their younger kids to mm -hmm. them, uh, to FBM and um, the ha the Hallahan uh, kids. They yeah. do an amazing job representing FBM, and they're kind of like the the new the youth of today, you know. Yeah. And um, we are stoked to be able to mm -hmm. support those boys and have them represent us. They they are everything that BMX should be and then some mm -hmm. yeah you're exactly right i'm so happy you brought them up because that one slipped my mind but that does show how how multi-generational uh fbm is and and i think you guys are good at it yeah uh, i mean we've come along like i think all of us have come a long way mm -hmm. um from like if you watch early fbm stuff where you know it's a lot of 
like you know fire beer and mayhem <laughs> yeah, days, yeah yeah right uh to where we are now and i think that just goes to show like our growth as people um i'm sure we've all done things that we you know haven't been too proud of um mm-hmm when we were younger mm-hmm. uh, but we hope that we've learned from those experiences and you know mm-hmm. show people who we are today um, that yeah you can make mistakes and mm-hmm. and still like come out on top and yeah. uh, you know as long as you you own them and uh, mm-hmm. and have learned from them right yeah I agree alright so why don't we uh, switch switch gears for the very last part of it before you, you do uh, any last words on your part, I wanted to ask if you have uh, any questions for... I'm doing a couple podcasts coming up, which are uh, um, one with Fids from, uh, from England, and I'm going to be doing a, uh, a quick one with Jimmy LeVan after the documentary premiere uh, at Swamp Fest. So... Uh, do you have is there anything you've always wanted to ask Fids or Jimmy or both oh wow um for Fids I would like you to ask Fids to tell a story because he is an excellent storyteller um ask him to tell the story about swimming in the ocean and the fish and hopefully he gets he understands the question. Okay. But he told me a hilarious story that I think the world needs to to hear about him swimming in the ocean. And for Jimmy, uh-huh. I'm not sure what question I want to ask him yet, but I would like to thank Jimmy and Susie Levan. Um, you know, Jimmy made a donation when I got hurt. And um, Susie came out mm-hmm. to the jam, yeah, and uh, that mel- meant a lot, you know. To, um, so thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I guess for Jimmy, I'm gonna have to get back to you on that. Yeah. I'm gonna have to get back to you off. Uh, That's I guess, all right. I'm gonna have to think of a good one because I I don't want to just ask like you know something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gonna be a. a... It's going to be a quick one because uh, the, the, it's going to be a crazy weekend there. So mm. I don't want to keep him for too long and because uh, they want him to go enjoy the whole weekend. You know, his documentary weekend plus the, right. the we'll call it the Swamp Fest weekend and his documentary weekend. It's it, it's There's a lot of, of good good going on there. So, and yeah, I really appreciate you doing this. It was a, such a crazy fun way to record part two as we drove all over <laughs> Richmond. I don't know, there's got to be 15 or 20 of us, right? Yeah, yeah, it was great to get together and see a bunch of old friends and uh, and do some riding. Yeah, absolutely. And you rode awesome today, by the way. Thank you. Felt was... good to be back on it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, I'm sorry, one last quick thing. Is there anyone uh, any anyone you'd like to thank or any last words on uh, for, the, for the listeners? Um, I mean, whew, for thanks... Yeah. There's the list is way way long and I can't possibly go through it. Uh, but I, I guess to summarize, you know, I'd like to thank everybody who donated to a, the GoFundMe when I got injured. Every person who sent me an Instagram message, an email, 
liked a post, shared a post, tweeted something, anyone who, you know, just kind of checked in on me, that meant the world and, Mm -hmm. you know, helped a a tremendous amount. Um, I'd like to thank you, Joe, for throwing a jam and, you know, bringing all my friends together um, in one area. And thank you for letting me, you know, do this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I also, you know, like to thank Steve Crandall for being mm-hmm. an awesome, amazing friend. Um, and I'd like to thank Keith Tara for being one of my best friends and always down. Uh-huh. Well, this guy, I mean, I, I would like to thank my family. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, my mom, my dad, Sandy, Susan and Nikki for, you know, always supporting me and having my, my best um, interest in mind. And, uh, yeah, I'd like to just thank all my friends, Kyle and Chris, uh, they, for always having my back, too. And mm-hmm. anyone that I've, you know, ridden your trails or got to pop some wheelies with you, <laughs> you know, thank all those people. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, well, thank you for doing it. I really appreciate it, and it was, uh, like I said, I was really happy to do, uh, to looking forward to doing part two, and uh, a lot of people really love part one, and um, and you've been a you've been a a, a great uh, person to uh, get to know even better through this. So uh, I really appreciate it, and appreciate you yeah. trusting me with your your stories and your thoughts, and. Uh, it's great stuff. So uh, you're yeah. welcome. Um, you know, and thank you for everyone who's listened uh, to part one and part two. Anything I've said resonated with you, um, or you want to talk about? You know, we we live in a time that we're all very uh, close or mm-hmm. easy to connect. So, you know, feel free to shoot me a message um, or or hit me up uh, through email or. Yeah, we all know someone who knows someone, so I'm yeah. sure my number can be reached too. Oh, um, yeah. Life's too short to really kind of not reach out and make connections with one another. So, you know, while we have the time, you know, I guess let's let's do it. Yep, absolutely, I agree, hundred percent. Well said. All right, thanks, buddy. We'll uh, we'll take this off your hands. This is our uh, the my my janky little setup that has made it uh, sixty seven episodes now uh so yeah um don't let me down next weekend janky little thing here uh i i I need you to to really be solid for me at swamp fest we got some interviewing to do and do well good luck and safe travels joe yeah thank you i appreciate it i'm sure i'll be hanging out with a couple fbmers down there (laughs) all right thank you very much you're welcome all right